This is Lisa Peter coming to you from The Ill, the Edmund Elder Library, and today I'm going to read page 40 and um, I'm going to read page 40 of the book on prayer by Ken Gurley and um, go from there. I'm going to keep reading from there. I would like to say it's easy. However, we are creatures of habit. You've probably heard the old adage that says it takes 20 days to break an old habit and 40 days to form a new one. I'm not sure of the validity of this, but I know we humans don't change easily. How can we get in the habit of practicing his presence? Perhaps the first way we can do this is to set aside three times a day to intentionally seek his face. Morning, noon, and evening. Psalms fifty-five, seventeen, Daniel 6 and 10. During each interval of prayer, perhaps we focus on different formats in prayer. Another way is to stay connected to Him through the day. We intentionally pray over our meals. Why can't we train ourselves through the day to give thanks? How do I start this? Through technology, you can set alarms and reminders. Maybe a silent alarm at the 7-minute mark to say, Thank you, Lord. At the 14-minute mark to say, I need you, Lord. At the 28-minute mark to say, Lord, help me. At the 35-minute mark to say, Lord, I love you, and so on. That reminds me of a song I wrote years ago. It says, I don't have the words to say exactly how I feel today. I just want to say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I just want to say, thank you, Lord. We steadily move beyond this program formula and grow into the habit of asking God what he thinks about each text, social media post, decision, discussion, or purchase. You will be surprised how easily you will graduate into the habit of treating God not as a distant cosmic force, but as a dear, close friend. The result of practicing his presence are profound. You will witness the change in your daily life. You will sense an ever-growing reliance upon him. The more you speak with him, the more he will talk with to you. Trust me, as you grow to realize you're not doing your life alone and that he's with you in this endeavor, the more sustaining, productive, and contented your life becomes. He is that very present help in the time of need. Since we don't know when we will need him the most, we practice his presence each and every moment. That is the positive aspect of this. A prayerful life is practicing the presence of God. What happens, however, if we do not practice his presence? Then we live prayerless, powerless lives. Prayerlessness is our declaration of independence from God. When we don't practice his presence, we're saying, God, I don't need you. Or we would never come out and say that or just say it that way. However, we admit it by not seeking and practicing his presence. If the magnitude of prayerfulness is immense, then the destruction of prayerlessness is beyond imagination. I cannot mince words here. Let me say it plainly. Prayerlessness is killing us. The failure of today's believer in prayer is leading to destroyed lives, ruined marriages, weakened families, powerless believers, and dead churches. Even Pharisees could boast of their lengthy and intricate prayers. They pray before men to be seen and to be viewed as morally and spiritually superior. Yet what they couldn't boast of was knowing God and divine intimacy. Phariseeism still lives when we have a form of godliness, but we deny its attendant power. When we say we know Jesus, but our hearts are far from him. Practicing his presence is not trying to impress others. 
It's determining to connect with the one who is in heaven. I've already quoted John 15 and 5, where Jesus tells us, apart from him, we can do nothing. In the previous verse, Jesus said, No branch can bear fruit by itself, John 15 and 4. This means we are wholly dependent upon him. We need him more desperately than we can ever grasp. Our reliance upon God as expressed in prayer forces us moment by moment, breath by breath, to admit our need of him. Each time we whisper, You are higher and greater than all others. You are the all-sufficient one. You are the center. You are the circumference. You are the one by whom all things exist and consist. We place ourselves in the posture of a receiver before a benevolent giver. His presence flows into our lives. Lazarus had two sisters, Mary and Martha. Jesus and his disciples frequented and found nourishment of body and spirit in their home in Bethany. Martha expressed her love to Jesus through acts of service. Mary stood form in collapsing at his feet and holding to his every word. Martha acted, Mary absorbed. In John, 1, uh, John 11, we read of a day when Martha was busy cooking and serving. She glimpsed Mary at the feet of Jesus and asked the Lord to rebuke her sister. Martha needed Mary's help in the kitchen. Jesus told Martha she was consumed with many things, but Mary had chosen this most essential element, the irreplaceable. In Moffat's translation, it reads like this. John eleven forty two. Martha, you are worried about many dishes, but Mary has chosen the best dish, and she is not to be dragged away from it. At that moment, Martha did not quite realize how much she needed his presence. Both she and her sister would find that out in the next chapter when their brother died, and Jesus was nowhere to be found. It's far better to know we need him when times are good. The days of trial and vexation will come soon enough, and our hearts and minds will be overwhelmed with sorrow and misery. So long as you have practiced his presence in the good times, you will know where to find him in the bad times. Prayerfulness is our declaration of the dependence upon God. Prayerlessness says, not now, God, I don't need you. The high cost of prayerlessness. I'm told confession is good for the soul, but it sure hurts our pride. I must admit there have been seasons where my prayer life has fallen woefully short. Inevitably, there are times when I'm swamped or things are going exceptionally well. At such times, I tend to view prayer as training wheels on a bike. Once I get the bike moving in balance, it is my tendency to say, Okay, I got this, and prayerlessness appears. Whew, that was hard to admit, but so needful. Because if you look back over your shoulder, you will probably notice similar times where the altar has grown cold and dormant in your own life. Your experience may be different than mine. Prayerlessness appears in my life when things go well. Others tell me they abandon the altar in bad times thinking God doesn't care about them. Whenever it appears, we need to know it always comes with a high cost attached. Okay, that took us through page 44. I mean 43, excuse me, I'll start 44 tomorrow. This is the book on prayer by Brother Ken Gurley, and I'm Lisa Peter, and I'm coming to you from the ill, the Edwin Elder Library. I hope you join, um, subscribe to my podcast, and that you're following this book. It's a wonderful, mighty book on prayer. Thank you. You have a wonderful day.